This is the Red Roof Recovery Show, a program to soften the path of recovery from substance and behavior addictions. And you know what? It's not just for addictions. It's for life. I first want to take a moment to thank Russell Allen Scott. Russell has gifted me the use of this beautiful piece of music. It's called Greatest Bravery. And it's uh, certainly an appropriate theme song for this show because it has taken great bravery for me to come out of the proverbial closet to start publicly speaking about my own addictions to drugs and alcohol. But like I said, this program is far more about just addictions. It's about life. And the messiness of life includes no shortage of mental health illnesses and mental health disorders like addictions. My name is Tanya McIntyre, and I appreciate you spending the next 30 minutes with me as I share the experience that I have acquired over the years as I walk my own path of recovery. I use a variety of tools and techniques that I'll be sharing with you on each episode of the Red Roof Recovery Show. And you will often hear me say that there are literally hundreds of tools that you can use to manage recovery and the messiness of life. I think the key is to just keep looking for what works for you. And when you find it, grab onto that and then do more of it. I'm very grateful to have a guest with us for this episode of the Red Roof Recovery Show. His name is Dr. Noman Naim, and he is a pulmonary and critical care specialist in Ontario, Canada. Dr. Naim's work inspired him to write his first book. It's called Healing from the Inside Out, Overcome Chronic Disease and Radically Change Your Life. Dr. Naim, thanks so much for being with us here today. Thank you, Tanya. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Now, during the course of your career, Dr. Naeem, you noticed that the majority of the patients that you were dealing with just weren't healing from their chronic disease, and they can actually remain trapped in that paradigm of chronic disease. I find that fascinating, and I'm curious to know why that is. Why do people choose to stay stuck in chronic disease? Well, I mean, that's... Uh, um uh, a great question, uh, which I will try to answer uh, in the short time we have. Um, the thing is that, you know, when most people look at healing, they look at the physical, and this is true of uh, conventional, the conventional medical world or Western medicine. They look at the physical body. In fact, uh, medical school education is uh, all predicated on our physiology and just sees us as our physiology. Now, the, the thing that I discovered, and this was years and years of uh, reading and research and my own introspection, is that uh, we are not just physical beings. We are multifaceted beings. And uh, I can get into that a little more. We have um, our thoughts, which originate from our mind. And, you know, we look at our mind there's a subconscious mind and the conscious mind. And most of our behavior uh, arises from the subconscious mind, which is programmed in early childhood. Uh, there's our emotional self and emotions are how um, our, our physically incarnate self here uh, on this earth it communicates with our higher self. And um, I'll talk about the higher self in just a few minutes. So there's our emotional self. And, and most people don't understand uh, how to manage their emotions. Uh, you know, we run towards positive emotions and we run away from, you know, negative emotions, things like fear, grief, shame, regrets, uh, those sorts of things. We run towards joy and 
and happiness and love, but we are meant to experience the full spectrum of emotions, um, you know, in our lives here. It might, might be helpful um, though, if we even go back to, like you said, a lot of the programming comes from our early childhood and emotional yes. intelligence is not something that's really talked about. It certainly wasn't in my family. If anything, emotions were um, something to be swept under the carpet. Uh, you know exactly so, yeah. oh so your mother's coming thing. home I mean, soon and she doesn't want to hear about that so you know just don't be talking about that around your mother yes so i mean you know a lot of us were not taught emotional intelligence it's not something that um you know i i didn't i was not taught uh you know by my parents or, or my extended family i didn't learn it definitely from school uh, this was a, uh, a long, arduous journey that I had to go on uh, myself with difficult emotions and dealing with them and learning how to uh, navigate them. So certainly this is not something that is taught. And, you know, I devote a whole chapter in my book to talking about uh, the emotional self and another chapter talking about fear. You know, I devote a whole chapter to fear in my book because fear is such a strong emotion um, you know, especially in, 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 in our, in the time we're in right now, <clears throat> in the midst of this pandemic, which is now going, you know, we're into the, going into its third year. So, I mean, we need to learn how to manage, uh, our emotions, uh, for healing. And, and we often get stuck, uh, in negative emotions. We suppress those negative emotions. And when you suppress negative emotions, they, uh, they become trapped and they manifest as symptoms. And this is one of the reasons why uh, you asked the original question, you know, why do people get stuck in the paradigm of chronic disease? This is not the only reason, but it is one of the reasons why people get stuck in the paradigm of chronic disease. And, and you know, speaking of addiction, I mean, people often turn to um, addiction in its many forms to deal with, with uh, the, the suffering that those uh, suppressed emotions uh, inherently bring to the individual. And um, so just to go on, I was talking about all the multifaceted beings that we are. We also have um, a vibrational level of being, being. So what I mean by that is that we are energy beings. If we break us down to our fundamental uh, unit of matter, we are made of atoms, which are made of subatomic particles, and quantum physics tells us that so sub subatomic particles are just a vibrational frequency. Well, yeah, so I think this is a vibrational frequency. The science I, I learned was Newton old Newtonian physics where, you know, the universe was yes. suspected to be matter. And now we know that right. the, the universe is just energy. We're just basically bouncing blobs of energy in, right. in an energetic universe. Yes. And so why right. did, why do you think we developed, Dr. No... Dr. Name, why yeah. did we develop, um, from a, a medical perspective, why did we separate physical and mental health? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. I don't have all the answers to that, but <clears throat> I believe that um, one of the reasons is that our, uh, our medical education is based on that Newtonian linear model, right? I mean, you know, to get from point A to B, point A being illness and point B being cure or, or optimal health, um, the medical uh, profession just looks at it as a linear path, but, but it is far from a linear path, right? We have to take into account all these different uh, aspects of who we are in any healing path. And if you look at the word 
healing originates from the word whole. And mission of healing is to cultivate and integrate uh, all the different uh, levels of who we are uh, in the process of becoming whole. So you have to understand that uh, you know illness and disease arises in a context. Uh, it doesn't arise uh, you know out of nowhere. It arises in a context, and that context is our thoughts, uh, our emotions, uh, the life stories that we have lived and that we often identify with. Uh, it arises in the context of, um, you know, our, our energy, our vibrational frequency, and our level of consciousness. And, and consciousness is, is, the high, is the higher self, is that higher, highest level of being. Uh, it's the deepest level of being. And, and, and few people live from a place of consciousness. And, you know, from a religious perspective, some people may call that spirit or soul. I prefer to use the word consciousness or being. Because it, um, it, it doesn't, uh, um, you know, it, it encompasses uh, all, all different beliefs and um, belief systems and even people who do not, are not religious. So, uh, yeah, so consciousness is, is where we have to come from, uh, the deepest level of who we are and integrate all these different aspects of who we are in the process of becoming whole. In order to truly heal, and this is why people get stuck in the paradigm of chronic disease. And Dr. Naeem, as a critical care specialist, uh, what is the most common chronic diseases that you are seeing? Oh, oh sorry, you cut out there for just uh, most common. What are the most common chronic diseases that you see in your profession? Well, I mean... The most common chronic disease, you know, when as a critical care physician, I deal with acute illness, people who are, you know, very critically ill. But the most common chronic diseases I see are, are hypertension, there's diabetes, there's heart disease, um, you know, there's all sorts of cancers, um, you know, there's, there's dementia. I mean, these are the most common. And, you know, you know, there's been studies done that show that a lot of these chronic diseases arise from, from stress from chronic stress. And, you know, we're living in a society that is just so overwhelmed with stress. And that has come out more so in the last two years with the pandemic. And, you know, the thing is that, you know, when we were uh, long before modern society uh, evolved, you know, when we were, uh, you know, if you look at our indigenous ancestors, um, you know, when we lived out, uh, you know, in, in, in nature, um, you know, we, our stresses were different than they are now. I mean, you know, we had to find food, we had to forage, we had to hunt, had to find shelter, protect ourselves from predators. Um, and, and then, you know, those were the stresses at that time. Now, in modern society, it, almost everything has become a trigger for stress. Our relationships, our jobs, um, you know, the media. Uh, the news um, are, are uh, you know, what's going on in the world. I mean, everywhere you look, people are just overwhelmed. Uh, and I think the news, in it, the news in itself can become an addiction for people. I talk to people all the time who start their day with uh, the morning news and they end their day exactly. with the evening news. And I ask people to kind of ruminate on that idea that you're planting in your subconscious bad news to begin your day right. and you're ending right. the day with bad news and you're going to basically just kind of marinate in that all night during your exactly. sleep. 
And well, that's a very good point, Tanya. Yeah. Excellent point. Be, well, I spent yeah. 22 years uh, as a broadcaster in mainstream media. So, you know, I know firsthand that the agenda of mainstream media is to perpetuate what I like to call the FUD factor, fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm embarrassed mm -hmm. to say now that I participated in that agenda for so long. Uh, it chipped away at my soul toward the latter part of my career, which is why I made a decision to step away from it. But, you know, I, I often talk about uh, our morning meetings would be spent sitting in a circle coming up with the most fearful headlines, the most sensational, fear-inducing headlines, and then embellish the facts around that. Uh, and that was my right. job. That's the job in a newsroom is to just create sensational headlines, embellish the facts, right. and it's all fear-based. Fear, fear, fear. How can we perpetuate this fear, uncertainty, and doubt? Because when people are frozen mm -hmm. in fear, what are they more likely to do? Buy something or take something right. to feel better. Right, right, right. <laughs> so it's all, it's all tied in with, um, you know, marketing and advertising and consumerism and, and materialism and, and getting people to, to spend on, like you said, products and services that don't necessarily serve them uh, and don't necessarily, uh, you know, help them uh, on their life path, you know, help them heal, uh, you know, for lack of a better term. And I totally agree with you. I mean, I think it's all kind of tied in together. And, and this is why it's so important to start off your day uh, on, on the right foot. Um, well, you know, one of the tenets of a, of a healing path is how you start your day. And, and that could be different for, uh, for different people, right? I mean, it could be for someone, it could be meditation. For someone else, it could be uh, working out, it could be stretching, it could be um, reading something inspirational, it could be writing. It's different for all of us, but we need to start off our day on that positive note, not like you said, um, listening to to the news media, which uh, you know I, I find has has gotten worse over the last few years with in the midst of this pandemic. Well, I think that's because the source of media is shrinking. So everything we watch, read, and listen to now is controlled by a handful of multi-billion dollar conglomerates. And the narrative right. is the same. The narrative yes. is to perpetuate yes. the FUD factor big time. And, right, uh, you right, know, right, right. I, I kind of jokingly say with people, take the diet that really works. A media fast, yeah. a digital diet, right? Uh, don't watch, right. read, or listen to news and feel how much your life improves. Um, or you can watch, read, or listen to positive things and feel the joy that life can bring. You know, whatever way right. you want to spin it, uh, make it part of your, your daily routine to make sure that you're being the gatekeeper of your mind and only letting those selective messages in that are going to serve you right. in a healthy way. Difficult yeah, to do. You bring up a great point. You bring up a great point. So the media is designed to create stories, Right. And, you know, if we look at all, all our lives, you know, um, you know, our lives are, are consist of stories as well. Um, so, you know, a lot of us have, uh, you know, not so wonderful stories, uh, you know, in our, in our at different, uh, different points in our lives. And we also have uh, great stories as well. The, the issue is, is when we identify with those stories and we need to realize that we are not our life story, our life story um is the context in which our consciousness evolves um you know in this physical incarnation and that's all our life story is and then when we identify 
with our life stories or uh, people who are close to us, their stories or family stories or ancestral stories or what the news media is selling us, right? Um, you know, that is going to also keep us uh, trapped in the paradigm of chronic disease. You know, there's all sorts of stories that, that people create around their illness. There's the victim story, right? I mean, if someone, you know, sees themselves as a victim um, at any point in their lives, you know, that can be, uh, you know, the illness can, can, uh, can replace that and you can become a victim uh, of your illness, then there's the boredom story. There's so many people that are just bored and the illness helps, the disease helps fill that void. Now, as a doctor, um, then, are you required right. to follow a, the, the diagnostic manual when you are looking at symptoms from people to uh, diagnose them with a disease or, or a condition? Because I know a lot of doctors uh, well, yes, in mean, America I, are not, yeah, so, not a big fan of that manual because uh, people tend to then become... The Sorry, you're talking about the DSM? DSM, the Diagnostic Something Manual. So the Diagnostic Statistical Manual is the manual that's used by um, psychiatrists and psychologists to diagnose uh, mental health and psychiatric conditions. So I, I don't, I'm not a practicing psychiatrist. Sorry, so yeah. So I don't, yeah, so, so I don't actually use the DSM. And, um, you know, I would, if I had a patient who had a mental health condition, I would consult the appropriate specialist to help me uh, make the diagnosis. I mean, the thing is that, I mean, you know, I've had a lot of experience in the intensive care unit dealing with people who have anxiety, depression, addiction, um, you know, personality disorders, uh, you know, bipolar and all sorts of these things. But uh, I mean, I would, you know, I wouldn't make that diagnosis in unison. I would make it with the help of a mental health professional. But you had, you had uh, referred to the fact that sometimes people can use chronic disease uh, to, mm -hmm. you know, the, the chronic disease manifests because of emotions that are repressed. Yes. So, right, right. That's, that's for sure. So oftentimes we can become the diagnosis was the point I was trying to make. So I didn't realize that the, oh, yeah. the DSM was yeah. primarily for psychiatric conditions because a lot of psychiatrists yeah. consider they don't like the DSM because sometimes if the mm -hmm. symptoms are related to a, a defined condition, then yes. a person can fall into that trap of then being defined by that condition and using it as an excuse to not get right. better. So certainly, like, you know, the lines are often blurred when you're looking at uh, conditions that affect our mental and emotional health. And, you know, there's all these labels that, you know, we give people, but I, I find that it's often not um, that simple and cut and dry. I think, you know, individuals are very complicated and, uh, you know, it's, and, and that, that comes from each individual having a very unique uh, history, a story, unique experiences, um, unique upbringing, um, you know, all the different influences that have gone into making that individual who he or she is. So I agree with you that I, I do not like, I don't use it, but I don't like the DSM. Um, it may be applicable to certain uh, certain situations, but I mean, to, to widely apply it to, uh, to every patient and every condition, I think that is a little uh, short-sighted. So when you're talking uh, to somebody, complex. when you're talking to yeah. somebody who is suffering with a chronic uh, illness, disease, mm -hmm. and you suggest mm -hmm. to them that perhaps they could work, do some subconscious work, 
Uh, what, what do you generally receive from people when you say, suggest that? It depends on, it depends on the individual because there are people who um, have, have never heard of, um, you know, what we've been talking about here, the mind, the emotions, energy, consciousness, and they're, they're so far from um, that understanding of health and healing. Um, but there's other people who are more open to it, right? So I, when I see a patient or an, uh, you know, a client, I, I try to feel out where they're at. And if I feel that I can take the conversation in that direction, then I do open them up to the ideas that, you know, you know your thoughts, your mind, your emotions, um, you know, your energy. And your energy is dependent upon a lot of things, including the amount of sleep you get, the food you eat, the amount of uh, physical activity you're getting. And your deeper consciousness, you know, who you truly are beyond, um, you know, because when you strip away um, the physical body, the thoughts, your mind, your emotions, um, you know, what's left, all that left is that consciousness or that being, um, that pure essence of who we are. So getting back to the, the, the patients. So, you know, if they are open to that, I will start exploring that with them. However, if they're not, everybody understands stress right? Stress is something that it doesn't matter what your level of understanding is of consciousness and metaphysics and, and healing and psychology. Everybody understands stress. So if, if, if I feel that the, they're not ready to go into that deeper conversation, I will start off by, by asking them about, you know, you know, what's going on in their lives? Are they under a lot of stress? How are their relationships? You know, are they happy in their career? Um, are they, uh, you know, are, how, how their lifestyle? Um, you know, are they getting enough sleep? So everybody, regard, uh, you know, regardless of their understanding of the deeper aspects of healing, understands the concept of stress. We all do. So I can often start the conversation there. Well, that's good that you take the time to do that, um, Dr. Naeem, because I know uh, doctors have said in the past that the biggest challenge they face is time constraints. So when, uh, you know, a parent mm -hmm. comes in with a five-year-old suffering from asthma, mm -hmm. the only thing they have time to do is give a prescription for the stress hormone, a mm -hmm. puffer, instead of taking the time mm -hmm. to say, well, why is a five-year-old coming to me with stress? What can possibly be stressful in a five-year-old's life? There's just no time. Right. There is no time. And the thing is that, you know, I, I will say that I am far from perfect. I believe that, um, more time is needed with each individual and each patient. Uh, unfortunately, I do operate within the, you know, with the, and the Western medical system and, 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 and how, it, how it operates. So I am limited in how much I can do. Um, I am trying to find ways to break away from that. Um, it is difficult to do that in Canada, uh, here in Ontario. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a work in progress. I mean, I'm basically, I'm trying to bridge two worlds. I'm trying to bridge the world of conventional Western medicine and a more holistic whole health approach to uh, healing. And uh, it's not, it's not an easy path that I've taken. It's not easy to do. Um, you know, even amongst my peers, I mean, they're content just, uh, you know, sticking to the status quo. Um, you know, they don't want to rock the boat and uh, you know, to do this on a large scale takes resources. I mean, you have, um, you know, the influence of, you know, big pharma and uh, other uh, medical, you know, medical uh, based uh, companies that, um, you know, do not 
I mean, their vested interest is to uh, is to push their their pharmaceuticals. Now, I'm not saying that patients don't need medications at some point in their illness. Of course, they do, um, especially when it's severe. But but to just prescribe conventional treatments and not looking at the context in which the disease or the illness arose or the context in which they got ill, I feel is not doing justice to the patient. Um, we need a whole health approach, a holistic approach. And uh, I mean, I, I'm just one of many people that are trying to do this right now um, in North America anyways, uh, uh, that I know of. So when you're looking at a more holistic approach, when you're operating within the confines of our Canadian medical system, Again, you're facing, I'm sure, more time constraints around that. So yes. getting, yeah, getting people to move from, you know, that kind of conventional medical approach to a more open approach of, uh -huh. you know, looking a little bit deeper as to what may be creating uh, what, you know, what is the uh -huh. cause instead of just creating or, or treating the symptoms rather. Uh -huh. Um, are, you know, for the most part, is the, are, are the majority of the people you deal with open to that idea or do you, do you get a lot of resistance? Um, I think the majority of people are open to the idea that stress is a big factor in their illness. Um, I would say a smaller percentage are open to the idea of discussing the issue of mind, emotions, um, you know, I mean, if I talk about something like energy and vibrational frequency, it's a foreign language for most people. They have no idea what I'm talking about, right? So I, I may not necessarily go there. Um, you know, in terms of the deeper consciousness of who we are, the underlying, underlying being, it, it all depends on the individual, right? If a person is a spiritual person, um, they may be open to that, to understanding that. Um, very religious. I mean, they may be open to that idea, um, but it just, it, it varies, uh, you know, across the whole spectrum of patients. Um, I would say the entry point for me for majority of patients has to do with stress because everybody is under tremendous amount of stress, especially what's happened in the last few years. I mean, you know, relationships are strained, people's uh, careers are being affected, people are losing jobs. Um, you know, uh, you know, there's financial, financial hardships. So everyone is under stress, you know, but the thing is that we need to realize is that, um, you know, there is a deeper part to who we are from which we can source our lives. And from where, if we live our lives from that deeper consciousness or that being, we can navigate um, all the different challenges and adversities uh, that are that we are facing, because the thing is, the nature of being human is that we are going to be challenged. Our lives are not going to be smooth from birth to to death. We're going to be challenged. We're going to be facing obstacles. But there's a reason those <clears throat> life is designed this way because I believe that our lives are a process. Um, you know, not a static, uh, a static entity. Our lives are You're breaking up a little bit on us now, Dr. Naeem. 
Um, but I, I think I get the gist is that we are spiritual beings having a physical experience. So I want to thank you so much for your time and insights today, Dr. Noman Naeem. Dr. Naeem continues his medical practice in Ontario, Canada. And of course, the goal is bridging conventional medicine with a more holistic... Purpose is to... Our, our, we all have the same purpose. Our purpose is to uh, discover who we truly are, awaken to our true nature. How that purpose expresses in each individual individual's life is unique and uh, is unique to them. And, and, and their mission on this planet Maybe it will be different for each individual, but all of it helps us discover our true nature, our, 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 our true purpose, which is to discover who we are. Fantastic. Thank you so much for your time today, Dr. Na Na Noman Naeem. Dr. Naeem, thank you so That's much. That's right. Dr. Naeem continues his medical practice in Ontario, Canada, with the goal of bridging conventional medicine with a more thank you. holistic. Thank you very much for time. Thanks, Dr. Naeem. You can connect with Dr. Naeem at his website, nomannaeem.com, and you can buy his book on Amazon, Healing from the Inside Out, Overcome Chronic Disease, and Radically Change Your Life. I've authored a couple of books myself available on Amazon, Mindful Wisdom from My Philosopher Dad, and book number two, Daily Wisdom from My Philosopher Dad. And this one is set up like a journal with inspirational messages every day. So my hope is that you not only buy my books, but you also take some time in that Daily Wisdom book to reflect on those messages and maybe write down your intentions for the day. I have found that the power of words is very powerful. And the power of the written word is magical and often life transformational. It certainly has been for me. So let's remember, talk to ourselves like we talk to our best friends. We spend a lot of time talking to ourselves in our heads. So let's make it a nice place to be. My name is Tanya McIntyre. Thank you so much for being here. May the force be with you. And remember, you are the force.